0: back again and i'm so excited because we have a new microphone and this is what it's all about we're very technical uh people and we're very technologically advanced the dolphins and death podcast is on the air star of the show adam beasley speaking to your brand new microphone
1: Yes, it's 108 p.m. and 87 degrees on Tuesday, February 16th, and I'm your host, Adam Beasley, and this is all things considered. Oh, no, it's actually the Dolphins Dead podcast, and I can talk in a regular decibel of voice because it's normal and not NPR. So, hey, how's it going, Armando? How do I sound? NPR.
0: Okay, (laughs) what are you, 73 years old? Yes. (laughs) Up next. Mozart's
1: third: Yes,
0: indeed as, well, as, as, uh, you know as thought through and composed and uh, performed by Beethoven: for,
1: for our pledge drive this year, we are offering not just one tote bag but two with the low low price of 99.99 a year.
0: Not to mention adult diapers
1: <laughs> 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 for our
0: target audience. Yeah. Uh, so, all right, so we are on a countdown, are we not? We are yes. count, counting down to free agency. Uh, further after that, counting down to the draft.
1: Mondo, when, when when our friends in uh, South Florida and around the globe listen to this on Wednesday... Yeah. We will be exactly one month from the beginning of the 2021 NFL calendar, which means the start of free agency. So yeah, uh, o- over the next eight to ten weeks, the uh, Dolphins roster is is going to be formed, and it could probably change in meaningful ways. And uh, we will we we won't know you know how smart or dumb these moves will be until October, November, December of next year. But this is important. This is this is how you go from ten and six to twelve and four and thirteen and three and go and and make a run into the Super Bowl. These next ten weeks are hugely important for the franchise.
0: And make no mistake, the planning and the strategizing is happening right now as we speak. So even today, the Dolphins made a move with one of their better players. No.
1: Yeah, they signed uh, Jason Sanders to a contract extension, which which locks him down through the 2026 season, which is a five-year extension beyond what he has still on his contract, his rookie contract. So uh, he'll he'll play out this year and then the next five potentially uh, at a pretty reasonable rate. Uh, the new money is five years for $22 million with $10 million guaranteed. But the good news is this, Armando, his cap figure in 2021 the all-important year, 2021, because the cap has gone down this year, presumably because of the pandemic, will be unchanged from what it was. So it's not like they're running up a bunch of credit card debt this year. Uh, They will be able to have all the spending power they had 24 hours ago going forward, and they'll have the luxury of having an all-pro kicker under contract through 2026.
0: I got to tell you, um, the Dolphins win a lot of these. They've been winning a lot of these, in my estimation. Um, there's some that they've lost, <laughs> but they're winning a lot of them. Uh, I would say they lost the Byron Jones one because they overpaid for Byron Jones, in my humble opinion. Um, yeah,
1: yeah I, I think I think one thing you can absolutely credit Chris Greer for is roster management, uh, and that is acquiring picks for players that probably weren't with the, worth those picks so in the. You know, in the case of Laramie Tunsel, of giving uh, you know low risk, high reward extensions to players before he had to to keep them under contract. The player evaluation side we can quibble with, and certainly in the draft he's had some hits and he's had some misses. But from a structural standpoint, they're doing the right thing. They're they they are giving themselves a chance to succeed. And if the player evaluation side catches up with the roster management side and the cap management side, this could be a pretty good football team.
0: So last year they won on Ogba. He performed above his contract level and expectation. Uh, Shaq Lawson not so much. That that wasn't so great.
1: Yeah, he's a he was a he's a solid rotational player that you could have probably you could have budgeted half what he's getting. Like he's earning 10 million dollars a year. He right. could he's a good 5 or 6 million dollar a year player.
0: Right. Eric Rowe good. That's uh, that they're getting their money's worth there. Jesse Davis very underrated I think they're getting their money's worth there um, who else let's see they kBN well, kBN yeah, yeah he needs to step it up multiple multiple rungs on the uh, production ladder to to really make people believe that he's worth that money
1: yeah I mean I'll never begrudge someone earning what you know going out and getting what he can but uh, but you can wonder if they could have used that thirteen million dollars in a wiser way. I, I know, I know, Flo really likes him. I know he was one of their better uh, quarterback pressureers. I don't think that's a word, but he's a guy that got pressure on the quarterback at a higher rate than most anybody else on the team. But from a run game standpoint, yeah, he left a little bit to be desired.
0: Right, and uh, thirteen million per year. <laughs> right. Correct. That's- that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about thirteen million dollars overall. We're talking per annum. Uh, so, which makes your per... No, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to. I'm not going to make annum jokes. Yeah. I, I refuse to make annum jokes in this uh in this podcast. I will. When we're done, I'm going to go and find my wife and make annum jokes to her. <laughs>
1: That could be the addendum to the podcast if you record that.
0: Yeah. It won't go well, trust me. It will not go well, as it never does, but uh, I'm immature, so I've never learned my lesson. What can I tell you?
1: I think there are are two different ways to look at free agency, and and we actually both kind of addressed them in the last couple of days uh, because everyone sees their bottom line number. And they have, I think, $15 million in carryover cap space from last year. And then an additional, depending on what the cap is, it's probably going to come in around $180 million, another probably $15 million of, of, of new cap space. So that would give them thirty million combined. Uh, but you pretty astutely laid out a way in which that number is kind of fraudulent. Uh,
0: it is. Well, it's, I mean, it's not
1: fraudulent
0: per se. I mean, that is what it is legitimately. But as with all things, You know, I I looked at what uh, the Dolphins are doing and where they stand. And if you're thinking about where they stand, they've got the eighth most expected cap space in the NFL. So that makes you feel pretty good about things. But if you look at it more deeply, the eighth most is like $50 million (laughs) <laughs> less than what the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to have. Right. It's maybe forty million dollars less than what the New York Jets or the uh, or the um, the New England Patriots are going to have, and and those are teams that you have to compete with for talent. So it it it's a little vexing to to see that disparity, but the Dolphins can absolutely create cap space, jigger the numbers, as they say. um, And, you know, with contracts such as Byron Jones, such as Kyle Van Noy, two guys we talked about, if they restructure those two contracts, and by restructuring I mean they lower the player's current base salary to the minimum Mm -hmm. and pay the player an advance, in signing bonus that then becomes prorated over the remaining years of the contract, they can turn Byron Jones' $16.1 million cap figure into $6.3 million for 2021. Now, <laughs> I mean, that's $9, $9.7
1: million of cap savings in one year. Right. And the question is this do the Dolphins feel like this core that they have can compete for a championship in the next two years Uh, because, or three or four years, I guess, because if they do, uh, then yes, I am a hundred percent on board uh, with uh, your, your idea of deferring some of this. It's, it's just an accounting trick is all it is. It's, it's, it's paying tomorrow, which you you would have to pay today. And the hope would be that we're never going to have another pandemic like this. And the cap isn't going to be, negative next year and it's going to grow by leaps and bounds because all these stadiums are going to be full and you'll have gobs and gobs of revenue you didn't have this past year. That's the hope that you can pay off the debt later when money's cheaper. Uh, But the flip side of that is this, Armando, if you make those moves, you're tied to those dudes because they could could walk away from – I think they could walk away from Kyle Van Noy today if they wanted to. Like if they wanted to – they're not going to do it. But if they wanted to cut Van Noy today – they could do it and actually have cap savings. If they do, if they do what you suggest uh, with with Byron Jones and, and the whole list of players, they're not going to have that luxury anymore. That if these guys are, you know, implode next year and they and, and the players don't live up to those contracts, they're stuck with them. And and that's kind of like the Tannenbaum accounting trick that they had. That's why it took them two years to get Indama and Sue off their books after they after they cut them. It's you you, you really you really back yourself up into a corner um by by using that accounting trick. Now, if they go and get Deshaun Watson and they think they can win a championship in the next two or three years with those dudes, you one thousand percent do it because you have them under contract for a while. You can go and get your elite quarterback and you'll still have tens of millions of dollars to add around him. Um so I, I think that if if they if they don't get Watson and they roll with Tua I, I don't think they should make those moves. I, th- I think they should ride out these contracts. The, 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 the savings will come in 2022 if you want to move on for most of these guys anyway. So you won't have to, you won't have to do it. You, you, you play through this year, you play it out this year, and then you evaluate next year. But if you can get Deshaun Watson, you not only keep the guys that you have, but you'll have a small treasure trove of, 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 of cap space to go and get some of these free agents and there's there there are some pretty good free agents I'm going through ESPN's list of top 50 there are some dudes on this list that could definitely help the Miami Dolphins
0: right and again when I wrote about this it was not in the uh, context of they should do this no matter what if Tua Tungavailoa is their quarterback uh, they're going to have a bunch of draft picks and in that that case you fill the roster with draft picks, four of them in the first two rounds. If Deshaun Watson is your quarterback, you don't have that many draft picks. You don't have that the four first and second round picks. You're going to have to find talent elsewhere, and so you have to consider making these restructures or making uh, creating cap space so that you can go out and sign more veteran players. And, yeah, you're going to have a good amount of veteran talent, especially at wide receiver out there like Will Fuller, like Juju Smith-Schuster, like um, the guy from Chicago. What's his name? I forgot. Alan, name. Alan Robinson. Okay. Like Chris Godwin. All those guys are. Equality, I, I
1: think, is out there.
0: Right. Those guys are free agents or going to be free agents or are scheduled to be free agents. And so, in that regard, that's the direction you take. So it's really two different roads that they can go down. One with Tua Tagovailoa quarterback is the draft answer. Two with Deshaun Watson is a free agency answer.
1: You uh, you mentioned uh, possibly having or using two first round picks. Of the 2021 draft, uh, in April, if they, you know, if they stay the course with Tua. When we get back on the other side of the break, I am going to explain to you how the Dolphins might end up with three or four, maybe even five more first round picks, and they can do it at a bargain. And, and we're back, and free agency is right around the corner, and I'm excited, Armando, and I can't wait for them to go out and be big spenders, and go out and break the bank, and get all these top end guys that you're talking about. But my my guess is that's not that's what gonna happen if I could speak English I would say that's my guess that's not what's going to happen there we go that was better uh and here's what I think will happen this year Armando I think they were they are going to scour the class of 2017 which uh 13 I believe of the 32 will be free agents uh right around the corner uh, because their teams either decided not to pick up their 50 fifth-year option, or in the case of a guy like Leonard Fournette, cut him outright uh, even before they could get to the fifth year. Uh, there are a number of talented, maybe not productive, but certainly talented players in that draft class that are going to become available very soon, and I think the Dolphins are going to capitalize on that because that's their MO. What, you, you think about the last two years, what they've done, and yes, they, they broke the bank last year and, on Byron Jones and Kyle Van Noy and, and all that, but they also have strategically identified players that had a high draft pedigree, but for whatever reason didn't live up to that pedigree, and they got them at a discount. And uh, some of them panned out, some of them flamed out incredibly, like a you know Robert Condici or, or 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 Josh Rosen. But I think they're going to their mo is going to be more of the Emmanuel Ogba types. And and there are a lot of Emmanuel Agua types that are going to be available in free agency, and a lot of them are in that 2017 draft class. Well, give me some names. Yo, you want names? Oh yeah, bro. Oh come on, man. Names? Uh, people are going to have to read my story. Isn't that the? Isn't that the? Oh, Panthers? I
0: see. I get it. Okay,
1: well, since, since the story's been up for when people listen to this for 48 hours, of course, I'll give you the names. Uh, there are a lot of them out there. Uh, Corey Davis, I, I, we're talking about wide receivers, and you've listed a bunch that are impressive. Corey Davis can be had at maybe not half the price, but two-thirds the price of some of these top-end guys, and he's really, really good. Uh, the, the Titans were foolish not to pick up this fifth-year option last year, He's going to be a free agent. We'll see if they have the cap space to go after him. Hassan Reddick is another player that I would be all over. Uh, Edge defender for the Cardinals. He had a career year last year. Uh, No way he
0: gets away from the Cardinals.
1: You think they franchise him?
0: Uh, What did he have, like 15 sacks this year?
1: Uh, Something like 12, I think.
0: Okay. (laughs) Would you let that go?
1: No. I mean, (laughs) it takes two to tango unless they franchise him. Uh, but there but there are, are a lot of uh, talented guys that for mostly injury reason, but sometimes they just didn't weren't a right fit and didn't play well, that could get a second chance in Miami. Gary Conley is a name that comes up. Malik Hooker, I think, a safety. They, they're going to go get a safety. They're going to upgrade. My guess is uh, you won't see both Rowe and McCain as the safeties next year. Uh, I think one, if not both, of those guys might be gone. You know, Tack Tack McKinley might give them some help. And look, even you take a flyer and a guy like John Ross, and certainly he was was, he was a bust for the Bengals. I grant you that. But he's still what a four three guy. He still can run like the wind on a team that needs that kind of speed. And again, you can get these type of players for three, four, five million dollars a year. And if you miss out on that top cusp of free agency, by the way, let's be honest, that top cusp of free agency has a success rate of maybe 50, 60% anyway. So why not, why not gamble a little bit at a far lower price and accumulate as many athletic guys as possible? And hopefully half of those guys pan out.
0: Well, you asked a rhetorical question. Let me give you the the obvious answer. The reason you don't really deal with most of those guys you mentioned is number 1, they didn't produce. They are indeed busts. They are not guys that have any sort of proven track record in the NFL. You are gambling. I don't want to pay 3 million dollars for a gamble. I don't I wouldn't pay John Ross minimum. Wow, <laughs> so, the because- minimum? I don't, why? Look, have we not done this already? The Miami Dolphins spent the last couple of years, uh, sort of gathering oft injured wide receivers. And to the point where last year, every single one of the guys on their roster had an injury history. And guess what happens with those guys? They continue to get hurt. And so have we not learned the lesson of not doing that? Uh, I hope that the Dolphins have learned that lesson. John Ross is a walking Band-Aid.
1: Was was John Ross's real issue injuries or just he and Zach Taylor were, you know, oil and vinegar or oil and water, whatever the terrible hackneyed cliche is? I mean, I think that was more of a personality issue than it was physical, wasn't it?
0: Uh, This year, perhaps. The last three years, injuries. Yeah. So, so. I, and and again
1: and, and again, I would. Uh, here, here's here's my philosophy. If you get guys that have the potential to be game changers at pennies on the dollar, I'm okay taking those risks because say you take say you sign ten of those guys for a total of thirty million dollars, and four or five pan out, that's pretty good. You get four or five solid, very good players for thirty million bucks. I mean that's the. That's that, that's pretty good. Now you have to have conviction, obviously, in those players that you're you're going to have some sort of success rate. But I, I think you're just as likely to to hit on, uh, if you if you play the volume game on enough of those guys to complete your roster, then go blow thirty million dollars on three players. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh,
0: okay, I, I I like your philosophy for your team. My, <laughs> my team. I don't think I'd go with that philosophy. I, I just don't like, uh, you know, one of the, um, I guess, the setbacks of having done this a long time is I've seen this stuff being done before. Once upon a time, Adam, the Miami Dolphins gathered 19 former first-round draft picks. Uh, that was 1995. And everybody thought, oh, my gosh, this team is going to the Super Bowl. The problem with having 19 former first-round draft picks is that the teams that they were on didn't want them anymore, and there's a reason for that. And those guys came to the Dolphins and played and showed us the reason that they didn't stick with their original teams. You don't want to inherit somebody else's problem, or at least I don't. I I don't like the idea of inheriting someone else's baggage. It's like –
1: they can go to your team and be your back. <laughs> I, I, I totally get that. I, I, I totally understand that. Uh, I just think that they're going to, and again, unless they they bring up the credit card debt, as we were talking about earlier in the, in the show, uh, they're going to have to make some tough choices. And if, if, if you talk to, to Brian Flores and you talk to Chris Greer, and we haven't talked to either in a, uh, for much in, in a while, uh, but if you do, they always say I would rather have three – good players than one great one, right? I would, I would rather build a complete roster than have an Anamakinsua on my team. And Anamakinsua wasn't even great with the Dolphins. He was fine. He was good, but he wasn't great. Um, I, I think you're going to see them make, and it might not be the players I mentioned from the 2017 draft class. There are hundreds upon hundreds of free agents about to hit the market and they might find value in places that I didn't think of. And that's cool. That's totally fine if they do. I just think that's their M.O. And, 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 I, and, I, and here's why I think it's their M.O., Armando. Um, they would rather have <clears throat> a bunch of draft picks, uh, including Austin Jackson on a rookie contract, who isn't the player that Laramie Tunsil is, but he, the, the, the opportunities that getting rid of that Tunsil contract provided them allowed them to build their roster more. I think that's how they see team building. There is one drawback to that it's philosophy, though, and that's what we've discussed, I think, at length. You can you can get a roster of a bunch of B and C players and be well-coached and be disciplined and try hard and play your ass off and all that, and your ceiling is 10 and 6. At the end of the day, you need game changers. You need guys that, that, that score points, offensively and defensively, that take points away and put points on the board. And, you know, if you sign a bunch of B and C players, you're not going to get that. Let me give you a
0: corollary to your uh, idea of signing all these
1: former current busts
0: <laughs> to,
1: to your team. Of future, I mean, I, I future mean, busts. okay, they're, bu- they're busts for different reasons some, some for production, some for injury. And you're, yeah. you're obviously taking a risk with an injury guy, injury guy. Obviously, you are. But there's risk in life and there's risk in football.
0: Yeah, so the the idea is to minimize the risk. But sure. here, here's my corollary, okay? This year, because the salary cap is going to be going down instead of up, upwards of $18 million less than it was last year by some estimates, there are a bunch of teams that are going to be over the salary cap unless they basically purge uh, their rosters. Um, And among those teams are the Vikings, they're $8 million over the cap. The Packers are $19 million over the cap. The Kansas City Chiefs, almost $23 million (laughs) over the cap. The Rams, $26 million over the cap. The Steelers, $30 million over the cap. The Eagles, $49 million over the cap what i'm saying to you is those teams are going to in in many cases have to cut players that actually produced mm-hmm. and were not busts and and they rather not lose but they have to because they the teams want to play in the NFL and to do that you have to be under the cap and so my my approach would be look at the players that those teams cut that those teams cut and they bleed. And those are the players that are attractive to me. I don't want a player that a team cuts and feels empowered by and things that they've added by subtracting. I want a player that the team cuts and, oh, my gosh, this is really hurting, but we don't have a choice. Those are the players. And there's going to be a lot of them, in my estimation,
1: Based on the salary cap situation of all those teams, I, and I, I think that's a fantastic idea. I don't think it has to be either or. I think you can do that. I think you can you can uh, build with street free agents. You can build with guys whose contracts simply expire, and you can build through the draft. And you know what else they could do? They could build through tra- they could build through trades. And they have substantially. Their the roster is in a lot of ways been changed by trades, and I don't think that's going to stop either. Um, I think we're, you know, and we're going to wrap this up in a minute. I think we're going to be surprised in a month by how shrunk the middle class is going to be. There's going to be a fair amount of players, as always, that get paid at the top end of the scale. And there are going to be a ton, a ton of players who get their best offer in March is going to make them sick to their stomachs and it's going to be their best offer they get in June. They might not sign till June because they're trying to hold out for something better, but there will be value throughout free agency. And I think you're right. If, if the Dolphins can, you know, manage it in a way to create, create some space to capitalize on that, they could make their roster a lot better.
0: And again, and for everyone's understanding so that, uh, I don't see social media saying Salguero says the Dolphins should be, uh, building through free agency, this is a scenario that I believe needs to happen if they trade away their draft picks for Deshaun Watson. If they keep their draft picks and continue to try to build with Tua Tagovailoa, Bailoa, they're going to have two first round picks, they're going to have two second round picks, then the free agency avenue suddenly doesn't need to be such a thing. In fact, it probably isn't going to be a thing. So understand the different scenarios. They're different. It's Watson, free agency. Tagovailoa, draft. And, yeah, there's going to be some some uh, portions of it that they merge, but it's a totally different philosophy, and it's a philosophy, I think, that makes sense one with the other. You're not going to have draft picks with Deshaun Watson. You're not going to build. You're not going to add veteran players who need to do it now when you're still developing Tua Tonga vailoa It's as simple as that. Uh,
1: I think that's absolutely right. I'm going to get you out of here on this, Armando. Uh, it's February 16th. The next time we'll talk will be February 23rd. By February 23rd, will we know Deshaun Watson's future?
0: We're not talking for a week.
1: Well, <laughs> you're you're leaving me for a week, dude. We're, we're not gonna be like texting buddies and stuff. That that, that goes without saying. Okay. I'm just saying for public consumption.
0: You you you
1: you you're frightening me there for a second. <laughs>
0: um. So no, I don't think so. I don't think this is the Sean Watson thing is a right now or anytime in a very near future situation. They're gonna play this out. The Texans are. It's in their best interest to play it out. And uh, I think it's in Deshaun Watson's best interest to play it out. So they're going to play it out, in my
1: opinion. They're going to play it out, but every day past March 17th that they play it out, the Texans will lose leverage because the <clears throat> teams that need quarterbacks will go and get quarterbacks via trades or free agency or whatever they need to do because they can't they can't put their off seasons on hold for a, for a pipe dream, for something that might not happen. And so – if they and certainly if they get past the draft uh, without trading to Sean Watson, the entire landscape changes because teams like the Dolphins that have two draft, two first round picks, including a top five pick, won't have that asset to offer the the Texans anymore. I think it would be in the Texans' best interest over the next month to either completely patch things up with the Sean Watson, which I'm sure they're trying, or or trade him because the more this drags out the more it complicates getting a clean deal done. You asked me next week. Correct. You, you didn't say
0: March 17th. You correct. You didn't say the draft. I mean, you know, you, you threatened me, first of all, with not speaking to me until next week, and then you changed the parameters on me. What are Armando, you doing to me? I,
1: I know the best way to get good podcast content is to push your buttons. And so mission accomplished, baby. We got the deal done.
0: All right. caddy of the show, Buttons Pushed. We appreciate you joining us this week on the Dolphins In-Depth podcast. As start of show Adam Beasley schemes more buttons for which he can push, join us again next week.